Thank the Lord for that. Wonderful. And uh, I fell in love with the songs of the church when the Lord saved my soul. And uh, I come to love them more every day. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And uh, it does make my soul rejoice and magnify Him to sing such songs as what we have sung here this morning. I want to read from the book of Lamentations in just a couple of verses, and I'll not be any more lengthy this morning than what is necessary. I just want to be obedient to the Lord. And uh, I learned something this past week from a preacher that I was listening to and probably should borrow his phrase instead of sometimes saying things the way I do. He said, uh, he, he began to speak and he said, I'll be brief um, with you here today. And then he paused and he said, who am I kidding? I'm going to preach as long as the Lord wants me to. And uh, that's, uh, that's what I want to do today is preach as long as the Lord wants me to and no longer than that. And I want to be obedient to the Lord this morning. And I don't anticipate that taking us very long compared to the way that I normally preach. So um, you all interpret that for whatever it's worth. So... Lamentations chapter 4, if you found your place and are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us and we'll reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord together. Lamentations chapter 4, I want to begin reading verse number 1. I don't think I have ever taken a text from this uh, chapter even, let alone from these verses. There's not a lot of preaching usually done, especially in the latter part of the book of Lamentations. Most of the preaching that is done in Lamentations is from chapter 3, especially that verses 22 and 23. And I have preached from verse number 25 through 27, verses 31 and 32, verses 48 through 54. Um, I preached earlier in the book of Lamentations in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 on several occasions, five or six occasions in both of those chapters. I've preached in chapter 5 of Lamentations, the end of the book. I don't know that I've ever taken a text from chapter 4 at all in the book of Lamentations, let alone these specific verses. But that's where we are this morning, and I want to share with you what the Lord's laid on our heart. It's not like it matters whether I've taken a text there or not. It's just some of you have listened to me preach so much, that, uh, and, and I've preached the same people for so long, it's almost unusual for me to take a text somewhere that you've not heard everything that I have to say about it before. And so this morning, some of you that were planning on getting a nap in might ought to eat a peppermint or something and get you some sugar. Might be something you've never heard before. And so let's look in Lamentations chapter 4, verse number 1. The word of the Lord says, How is the gold become dim? How is the most fine gold changed? The stones of the sanctuary are poured out in the top of every street. The precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers, the work of the hands of the potter? That's where we'll leave off for reading this morning. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. If you're not familiar with the book of Lamentations or in your mind have not connected what your familiarity that you have with Lamentations to where it falls in the Scriptures, it is written by the prophet Jeremiah in light of the fall of the city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar has come into the city of Jerusalem. He has spoiled the city. He has, uh, he has taken the goods of the city. He has delayed waste to the walls and to the, to the uh, wealth of the city. And he has taken the young men 
of the city as captives of the best of the best to take back to Jerusalem and many of the women and the children and even those of the elders has taken them back to Babylon as captives as part of this overflow, this overtake that takes place in the book of Lamentations. All through the book of Lamentations, uh, Jeremiah is weeping over the city of Jerusalem. The things that have happened there, the things that have transpired. Jeremiah is a stark contrast to the prophet Jonah. Jonah prophesied in 40 days God's going to overthrow Nineveh. And then when God did not do it, Jonah got angry about it and said, Lord, I knew you'd do this. You do it all the time. You always show mercy instead of judgment. And I, I knew you'd do it. This is why I didn't want to preach to these people. I didn't want to tell them judgment was coming and them get right with God. That was not Jeremiah. Jeremiah spent about 50 years preaching to the same people. Judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. And the longer he preached it, the more it broke his heart. The more that it uh, stirred in his heart. The more that it uh, troubled him that they would not get right with God. And a man of God ought to take absolutely no pleasure in rebuking people for sin. And calling out the devil and the work of the devil. I take no pleasure in that. I would to God the devil would take a day off. I would to God the devil would leave everybody alone. I would to God everybody that's in the sinning business to get out of the sinning business. I take no pleasure in sitting on the sidelines when sin wreaks and uh, works its work and begins to wreak havoc in the lives of people. I take no pleasure sitting on the sidelines and saying in myself, hmm, I could have told them that. I tried to tell them so. Looks like they would have listened to me. There is no joy in that for a person with even an ounce of sense, let alone a man of God. And Jeremiah looks at what has happened in the city, and there is no indignation about him. There is no no smart aleck response. There is no I told you so attitude about him. Instead, he is heartbroken as he sees what he has been warning about for all of these years transpiring before his eyes. He weeps for the place in that city. In verse number 48 of chapter uh, Chapter number 3, he says, Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission. Till the Lord look down and behold from heaven, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of the daughters of the city. He looks upon them and he weeps and what he sees breaks his heart. It does not cause him to have a smart aleck attitude or to try to shake people and say, see, I told you so. Somebody uh, go back and play the clip. Somebody go back and get the recording. Someone go back and, and, re, and demonstrate how right I was. None of that is going on in the life of Jeremiah. He is heartbroken over the fall of this city. And he tells of the evil Babylonians and their disregard for the things of God and their disregard for the city of Jerusalem. He said they came in and they took gold and they dimmed the gold. That is, they devalued our wealth. They took the most fine gold and how it has changed. The stones out of the sanctuary, the very precious things of God, they've spilled them out in the street. They have mistreated the holy things of God. They have made profane the holy things of the Lord. There's a whole sermon in that and that is not the message for today. But it ought to break our hearts when people do not value the things of God. When they don't value the church and the Bible and the Holy Ghost. 
close and when they make a mockery of the Spirit of God and His moving and wooing in our souls, that ought to break our hearts when people make fun of old time religion and they make light of the Bible and they mock the preacher and they laugh at the church. That ought to stir us. That ought to break our hearts. That ought to trouble us as it troubled Jeremiah in this chapter of the Word of the Lord. And he said this is a evil work that's taking place. On top of that he says the precious sons of Zion who are comparable to fine gold. The most valuable thing that we have is our children and our families and those we love. More important than our wealth being spoiled and even more important than our temple, our holy building being spoiled is that our future generations are being taken from us and mistreated. And by the way, when we get to the place where we repeatedly sin and repeatedly refuse the word of the Lord and reject the message of God, the price will be paid in our children in our future generations. And that's where they are in the book of Lamentations. And it says our children, the sons of Zion, are comparable to fine gold, the most valuable thing that we have. They are being treated, he says, as earthen vessels. They're being treated like pottery, like pieces of clay that have been broken and scattered in the streets. I believe he really is describing here the broken and dead bodies, the the mangled bodies, the flesh that lay, the carnage that lay in the streets of the city of Jerusalem. Wounded men, my friend, were killed and slain men. Men with their and, and, and boys and girls with their uh, arms and legs having been cut off, heads removed at the swords of evil Babylonian soldiers. My friend, the arrows in their chests and spears having been pressed through their bodies, bleeding out on the streets with more maimed and wounded and dying than what can be seen after. It's a war zone. It is a scene of carnage. Fires burn. My friend, the smell of sulfur could be sensed in that city. It was a depressing scene. But in the midst of all of this, God has directed my heart this morning to a phrase that closes out. Verse number 2. And by the way, can I tell you, my friend, in the darkest and the deepest parts of Tulip Life, in the places of time where it seems like everything is a waste, where it seems like your life is a fire, where it seems like the battle of this world is hotter than what you can withstand when the tears pour like a river and your life is in a vice grip when limbs are ripped from the socket when your body is broken and pain takes hold of your body whether your family my friend is in the pressures of life and the pressure cooker of this old world has brought to a rolling boil the sufferings of this world God will bring you to a place where just a word where just a phrase can show you what He is doing in your life and how God is still on the throne and in control. And He closes out verse number 2 when He talks about all of this carnage. And He says how they are esteemed as earthen vessels. But then there is a comma. And He puts a precious phrase in there. And He says the work of the hands of the potter. The work of the hands of the potter. There is a word a pot that's been cast upon the ground and broken. But he said, I don't forget that those broken bodies in the streets, those scattered families, 
make and to mold and to put on planet earth. They are not accidents, but they are individuals placed here by the providence of God. And surely if He made us, and we are answerable and accountable to Him, and He will see His promise soon. Now that means something to us, but it really meant something in Jeremiah. For He knew this judgment must come. But He also knew what the Lord had told Him. This judgment, though it will be fierce, though it will be fast, it will not be final. After 70 years, God will bring them out of Babylonian captivity and He will restore His people. And in the midst of the carnage, He says, they may be as broken pieces of pottery now, but God made them. And they were formed by the hands of the potter. He'll see His promise through. And carnage will not be forever. And Chapter 18, when Jeremiah learned about this, he came to understand as he wrought a work on the wheel, he came to understand that God is the potter and we are the clay. That he has a purpose for what he's doing. And my friend, he saw this in this work of the potter. It is a conforming work. I'm just going to give you four things this morning. The hand, the work in the hands of the potter. No things about those things. Just four things for you to remember. As we finish out the message this morning. My friend, it is a conforming work. The work in the hand of the potter. I'm glad he's working on me. I don't know about you. I'm glad he's working on me. The conforming work. Chapter 18 of Jeremiah, verse number 3, the Bible says, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8 said it this way, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father, we are the clay, and Thou art our potter, and we are all the work of Thy hand. And we may feel like sometimes that life is spinning out of control, but I'm glad His hands are on the clay. A potter, I remember several years ago in the midst of some difficult things in my life, I went on a business meeting. They had the conference for us up in the, up in the Vision Forge. And I went on there and spent most of our time in a motel room or in a conference room. It seems I call you. I don't know why they have those meetings out of town like that. We could have done that here. Go from a motel room to a conference room. Why well, we got to drive five hours if we're not going to get to see or do anything? But finally, I got tired of 
all of that. And when they gave us about two hours for lunch, instead of going to lunch, I went and found some place to do something besides sit in a conference room or a motel room or a lunch room. And I went down there to the old meal. Across from the old meal there is a pottery shop. And I walked through there praying and talking to the Lord in my heart in so much turmoil and turning cartwheels and uh, in trouble, just churning and troubled. And I talked to the Lord and that day they were making pottery in the back of that uh, pottery shop. And I went back there and saw as a lady that was obviously very accomplished artist uh, with this, with this uh, clay. And she sat down at that uh, sewing machine or that, uh, or that pottery wheel and she pumped it like an old fashioned sewing machine that my granny used to work. Uh, I've had the pedal on it and so forth. And she would pat her feet this way as she was working. And as she patted her feet, it would spin a, 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 um, a conveyor belt of sorts there. And it caused this wheel that was sitting up there to go round and round. And on top of that wheel was sitting some clay, some dirt she had molded and moistened and had it in her hands. And the faster she would pat her feet, the faster that wheel would spin. The faster that clay would go round and round. And when she'd really get it fast, she'd reach her hands on either side and press it together and push it up. And press it together and push it up. And then when she'd get it up, she'd really speed it up. Oh, and here it was going really fast. She'd stick her hand down in the middle of it and press a hole in it. And then begin to fold and to mold and to be and to my friend to make that thing as she wanted it to be. And then she'd begin to shape it up, put some design, and put some level of, of beauty into it and shape into it. And again, reaching her hand down the inside, pressing everything but the tall red guy. The more advanced that the pottery became, and the more developed it became, it was necessary to make the wheels, have the wheels spin faster. For if she were to stop the spinning wheel, that which had been brought up into its shape would begin to be marred and would begin to collapse. And the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and told me, "You feel like your world is spinning too fast. It's all coming out of control. It's all flying to pieces." Yeah. 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 Yeah.
work of the potter's hands. Philippians chapter number 2 verse 13 said, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He is molding and working and conforming as as the vessel that He desires and designs. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 20 says, Now the God of peace that brought us again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good word to do His will. How working in you that which is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is working something in us that then we will work out for Him. We are to work out your own soul's salvation before the Lord with fear and trembling. That's what the Scripture teaches us. We cannot work out what He has not worked in. We are the clay in the hands of the potter. And He works it in us that we may work it out. And when He's pressing and when He's molding and when He is making and when He is conforming and when He is spinning and when He puts a little pressure here and a little pressure there, that is not about trying to make you fold. That is about forming you into what He wants to make you to be. He's not trying to tear you down. He's building you up. He's not looking to destroy you. He's seeking to develop you. Hallelujah. Conforming work. The conforming work. Do you realize why that you are saved? If you are saved this morning, why the Lord saved you? I've heard people say, I don't know why He saved me. I do. I know why He saved you. Now, I know what people mean when they say that. What did they do to deserve the Lord saving them? Not a thing in the world. But I do know why He saved you when it was not just so you could go to heaven. If He just saved you to go to heaven, He could have drowned you in the baptismal pool and accomplished that. But instead, friend, He saved you that He may conform you, that He may mold you. According to Ephesians chapter 1, it is that we may be a habitation of God through the Spirit. It is that He may make of us a house for the Holy Ghost to live in and then to be a witness and a display unto this world that God has has made us. And that we are the works of the hands of the potter. Whenever she got finished with those pieces of pottery that day, Brother John, in that place, up from one end of that store all the way to the other, there were vessels large and small. And vessels that were narrow and wide. And vessels that were dark clay and of light clay. And the blended colors and all sorts of things. But they were vessels of honor and of beauty. And some were valued at one price, some at another. And some cost high amounts. And none of them cost low amounts. They all cost high amounts. Some cost high. And some cost higher. I did not buy anything. I just went in there and gained a great lesson. Amen. Oh, but praise the Lord. When God works on our lives, it is to increase our value. It is to cause us to be worth something. You wouldn't have given five cents to buy the dirt she was working with. But the finished product was worth a lot. The finished product had great value. I'm saying you and I are not worth much. I'm talking about mostly just dirt and water. How about the finished product? What God is making out of us is of tremendous value. His hands are on us. And we are the words of the hands of the potter. Hallelujah. I know I'm not saying it very well this morning, but if you could understand it and see it as I see it, it would just light your fire. Hallelujah. He's conforming us. 
I'm saying you may look at me and say there's not much to you, but he's not finished with me yet. Hallelujah. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we do know when he shall appear, we shall be like unto him. For we shall see him as he is. When the Lord gets done with me, it's going to be a sight to behold. I've still got a long ways left to go. But when he's finished with me, I'll finally be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. And for yours. A conforming work. A conforming work. And secondly, this morning, not only was it a conforming work, but when he, that work in the hands of the potter is a conflicting work. You see, while God is working in us and for us, we have a tendency to work against Him. He's trying to form us, to mold us, to make us. And what time we're not too hard for Him to deal with, He has to put, like sometimes the clay gets a little too hard, He has to put a little extra water on us. The water is the Word of God, by the way. He has to put a little extra water on us to soften us up and max us down and work out the hard spots. And then we have a tendency to get limp. And then just to fall apart and turn all mushy on Him. And to lose all sorts of uh, all sorts of a shape of any kind. I remember when I was a kid, I learned a long time ago, you, did not, uh, you didn't get brave enough to survive a spanking or a whipping from my daddy. He was not going to stop till he was worn out. That's how it's going to work. He was going to whip you till he was tired of whipping you. And so the quicker you could get him tired, the better chance you had. And so I didn't ever try to be defiant or, you know, to stare up in his face or I'd try to rebel. That would have just gotten me killed. But instead, I'd just fall apart, get away from this rag, you know. If you're going to beat me, you'll have to pick me up to do it. And I mean, I'd fall on the ground and say, get up from there. And I thought, get up to nothing. Stand up so you can give me a whipping. Ain't no way. You're going to have to earn it. Amen. And he'd pick me up and let me have it, but he'd get worn out eventually. And my friends, sometimes we treat God about the same way. The Lord's trying to do something in us. He's not within us. He's trying to form us, to mold us, to teach us. And instead of responding, we just go all jello on him, you know. I mean, we're just falling apart. And we're just doing nothing. And God says, stand and we fall. God says, serve and we do nothing. We resist His working in our lives through laziness, through a lackadaisical attitude, and then other times through defiance. Stand on our heels, look Him in the eye, and say no. Oh, my, my. I know I was tired of afraid to do that most of the time with my daddy. There have been some times I found myself with the Lord and realized what I was doing and how I was resisting Him and thought to myself, I better not. This is the wrong way to go. I'm not going to stand on my heels and say no to God. Amen. I'd get all passive-aggressive. I'll use a psychological term. I don't really know what that means, but I've been told that I'm supposed to know what that means. And I'd do something like say, Now, Lord, you know I'd do anything you want me to do. But I ain't going to do this. Well, I just contradicted what I just told him. I, I'm not going to do whatever he wants me to do. I just told him I'm not going to do this, and I knew that was what he wanted me to do. But I'd say, Now, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I ain't doing that. Get all passive aggressive. Pretend like I 
I'm yielding to Him, but in my heart I'm really not. Pretend like I'm willing to do whatever He says, but I'm really not willing to do it. Chapter 18 and verse 4 of, uh, of Jeremiah, he said that vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. Has it seemed good to the potter to make care? How to be marred is to be destroyed, to go corrupt, to ruin, to decay, to be spoiled, to be rotted. Oh, my friend, we've all been there. When the Lord said, go, we stop. And when He said, stop, we went. We just did right the opposite of what the Lord wanted us to do in our lives. And we were marred in the hand of the potter. Oh, God, have mercy. It's a conflicting work. Sometimes we don't want what the potter wants out of our lives. But what the potter wants is right. You know what I am so thankful for? When the clay was marred in the hand of the potter, the potter didn't say, I have bad material to work with. Throw this clay in the garbage and I'll make some more. Instead, he made it again, another vessel. He made it again, another vessel. Oh, what I'm saying to you today is, friend, his long-suffering towards us causes him to be an again God. When our lives seem like so much of a failure, he doesn't throw the clay away. He makes it again. He is an again God. Were he not an again God, we all would have been cast aside. We all would, my friend, be shipwrecked. We all would be spoiled and wasted. But since he's an again God, I'm still serving him today. And I'm still preaching his gospel today. And I still know him today. Because he's an again kind of God. Makes it again. Jonah. The contrast we drew at the very first of the message. A man named Jonah. The Lord comes to him. And says go preach to Nineveh. And he said no. The potter's making him on the wheel. But the clay is marred in the hand of the potter. He says no. And he goes the opposite way. But God didn't throw him aside. He asked the men on the boat, said, throw me into the the sea and to let my life be destroyed and you'll be spared. He asked the Lord to throw the clay away, but God said no. And after three days in what he called the belly of hell, he called out unto the Lord. And God heard him. And he paid his vow unto God. And the Bible said the word of the Lord came again the second time. And the children of the son of Amittai saying, go preach that preacher which I have bidden unto thee. Oh, may I tell you, friend, I'm so grateful that the word of the Lord comes again. That when the flesh of man rebels against God, and my friend, the spirit man yields under the work of the potter, and God makes it again another vessel. Hallelujah. If the first time you got marred and collapsed, God threw you away, there wouldn't nobody be here this morning. I mean, I don't mean to burst your self-righteous image of yourself, your own crowning glory that you see when you look in the mirror and feel good about your spiritual walk. But if any of us got thrown away the first time we failed God, none of us would still get to come to church. None of us would still be saved. None of us would be on our way to heaven. Because every one of you, not only before you got saved, have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, but since you've gotten saved, and some of us that were saved earlier in life, have sinned more since we've been saved than we sinned before we got saved and just because we didn't live long enough. Amen? Amen. That's right. 
God, now listen, don't get all tore up at me about that. God saved me when I was 13 years old. He saved me from everything I had done, and He saved me from who I was. But He didn't stop me from every stupid thing that I would do in the future. Amen. And now I have to, as a child of God, as a person who is born again, and all of you, if you were saved early on in life especially, have to live with the fact that it is very likely you've done more things wrong since you've been saved than what you did before you got saved. Maybe if I hadn't have made it to about 14 or 15 years old, I wouldn't have been able to say that. and wouldn't have had to say it. But after living 30 years as a saved man, almost 31 years, and only having lived 13 years as a lost man, I'm afraid of God. I'll say I've done more since I've been saved that was wrong than I did before I got saved. And if God was a one shot, you either make good on this one chance I'm giving you, or you're a goner. You're a goner. I've just been a goner. But thank God He's an again kind of God. He's an again kind of God. And when my vessel is marred in the hand of the potter, He does not throw the clay away. The conflicting work. And then uh, Jeremiah not only learned that it was a conforming work and a conflicting work, but he learned it is a continuing work. Jeremiah chapter 18 verse number 4 said, So he made it again, another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Praise the Lord. Oh, when the Lord made all of heaven and earth, and to my friend, he made it all in six days and rested on the seventh. On the first day, he said, Let there be light. And there was light, and he said, It is good. And the morning and the evening was the first day. Every day God would make what he would make. And he would look upon it and say, It is good. It is good. It is good. It is good, but when he made man in his own image and his likeness, and to my friend put him in the garden, the Bible said, he looked upon man and said, It is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make an healthy for him. And he put man and woman in the garden, the only thing in his creation that he saw that was inherently flawed. Even before the thought of sin was man. But I'm so thankful whenever he began to work on us and we got marred in his hand, he made again a vessel of the kind that he knew was good and to make a vessel that seemed good to the potter to make him. And the Lord, the work he's doing in your life is about making you something you would have never been by yourself, about making of you something you could not have imagined, anticipated, or expected him to do in your life some of you this morning you are doing stuff today that you swore years ago you would never do I'm not going to get religion I'm not going to go to church I'm not going to be a Baptist I'm not going to become a fanatic I mean I'm just not going to do all that stuff and people like the, the stuff they do and some of you, you said if ever they get saved, you get a little nearer to it. I'm sure not going to act like they act. There's no sense in all that carrying on the way that they do. 
I heard a dear preacher testify this week. He said when his mama got saved, he said there's a couple of elder ladies in their church would get in the glory. Had the power of God fall down and said them how sweet little old ladies that could hardly walk would get up and start spinning around in circles. Had to dance in the holy days. And his mama said, there's no sense in all that carrying on. That's just carrying too far. She said, one thing about it I won't ever do. She said, I may do a lot of things, and I'm glad to sing in church, and I appreciate the opportunity to play that piece. I had to be able to serve the Lord in the music, but I won't ever get up like that and make myself a fool the way they do. I will never shout like them women shout. I'm not going to carry on that way. I just will not. Now listen, you don't have to shout. Some of y'all have already figured that out. Amen. You spent the last 20 years not doing it, so you figured out you don't have to shout. By the way, I don't have to either. I get to. And you don't have to run, and you don't have to dance, and you don't have to jump up and down. But if you say to the Lord, I will not do that, you make it to eat every bit of that. But my friend, when I get up, get up and go down. Amen. I will not preach. You better be careful talking like that. I will not sing a solo. You better be careful talking like that. I will not shout. You might ought to be careful. You may be so loud. None of us can put up with you when the Lord gets done with you. I will not testify. We may have to skip church every Sunday for you to testify. I mean, whatever you tell God you will not do, you may well be in trouble. Amen. 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 She said, I will not shout. And I will not get up and run around and dance like you women. I just will not. And he said, but Mama got troubled by the Lord. And the Holy Ghost kept stirring her life. And said she just couldn't understand it. And she got hungry. And she's going to prayer meeting and said, they have prayer before church on Sunday. And we walked to church. And I said, Mama, run on the head of me. And I was son of my buddies. I work in a mission about 10 years old. I said, it was probably still about four or five blocks away to church. And said, all at once we heard, woo-hoo! I walked there right there. And one of them boys said, there's been a car wreck. Sure, it's the word. There's been a car wreck. I said, somebody's screaming. There's a car wreck. Let's go check it out. He said, I was standing there and thought to myself, it ain't been no car wreck. And I don't know why they're hollering like that. But I have heard that woman screaming me enough to know who that is. And who that is said, I knew it my mama said she'd yelled at me enough for me to recognize that voice. And he said, the one that was hard was my mama. He said, I got down there to the church and they hadn't even started yet. And mama done got in the glory while she was praying. And said she was out on the porch and running around, both hands up in the air. Woo! Woo! I'm doing everything that she's told like she just was not going to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, I remember Brother Milby telling me the Lord saved him. He said he went to a college prayer meeting and he told the Lord, he said, one thing about it, I ain't going to ever act like them people. I'm not going to be like one of them. He said, I got to the college prayer meeting and the meeting got on good and folks were rejoicing and enjoying Jesus. And said they got to singing the old song, I'll be no stranger when I get to that city. I'm acquainted with folks over there. And he said, I heard somebody letting out the biggest, loudest, blood curdless war, war hoop I've ever heard in my life. He said, I looked to my right hand and on my left hand and I discovered it was me. <laughs> oh, praise God. What I'm saying is there's a lot of those things. I can't tell you how many preachers. I said, I'm going to never be no 
preacher. How many preachers what I've said? I'll marry anybody else. I want them to serve the Lord. They even be saved and religious, be spirit-filled. But I don't want them to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a preacher's wife. Heard some of them been preacher's wives like 40 years. I did not let them serve the Lord valiantly and doing so. will be good as He sees it. What is good in His sight. He made it in His sight a good vessel. A right kind of vessel. A perfect vessel. Some of you this morning, you've got it decided down already what you're going to do for God. You know what He ought to do with your life. You know what your strengths and weaknesses and abilities are. Where your talent lies. You've been trying to tell God if He'd use you the way you tell Him to. That He'd do a whole lot better than the way He's using you now. Y'all don't look at me like that. You had that conversation with the Lord recently. Why are you trying to tell the Lord I don't want this and I don't want this and I don't want this and I don't want this? Matter of fact, you have spent more time telling God what you don't want than what you have telling God what you really do want in your life. I'm preaching especially to you young people now. Hell. You found fault with everybody else that's around you. Have said, I don't want that in my life, and I don't want this in my life. Have maybe even said, I don't want to be that kind of person because if I have to do that kind of work in the church, then my, it will equal this in my life. I don't want to be a preacher's family because of whatever hardship. I don't want to be an Lincoln's family because of responsibility. I don't want to be in the leadership of the church because of the scrutiny my life will come in there. I don't want to be one that testifies because of the expectations will be too high. I don't want to have musical talent. I'll have to practice and develop it. And we told God what we don't want. And what we really ought to be doing is saying, you're the potter, I'm the clay. What you want is what I want. If I do everything, anything, and no thing, I just want to be in your perfect wheel. Follow me and make me what is good in your sight. Some of you may have to scream bloody murder and dance and run around because you just went Some of you little boys sitting on the pew said, when I grow up, one thing about it, I ain't going to be no preacher. And if I am a preacher, I will never preach like the crazy one that I've got. <laughs> Amen? He's out of style. I've heard the way folks talk about his preaching. I've watched the way that my buddies laugh and snicker at him. I've seen what they say on social media about him. I've watched the, the, the stones that get thrown at him, the sneers, the lambasting, the lampooning that takes place. I'm not interested in that. And if I do become a preacher, I sure am not going to become one of them. You better be real careful telling God all that kind of stuff. He's all going to set you on fire like John the Baptist. I'm going in camel's head. I'm eating locusts and wild honey. Hallelujah. You don't know how many times I've told the Lord, no, I'm not going to do it like that. I've got up to the pulpit to tell the Lord, and told the Lord on my way to the pulpit, now this is how I'm going to preach this thing. And when I get there, I'm going to show them how good a job I've done studying and what all I know and how smart I am. And I get there, my voice shut down and my throat locked up, and I begin to weep and cry, and somehow or another down in the depths of my soul, the Holy Spirit birth of my friend, the glory of God, 
is happening like a calf standing in a new gate. And you don't even know why it's happening. The gods are letting me know. I am the clay. He is the potter. I don't make the choices. And it's just my job to sit on the wheel. Amen. To sit on the wheel. And he's doing a continuing work in my life. He knocks off the rough edges. He polishes up my life. He forms me in His image. And i got news for you. He's still doing it. He's still working on me. You're not looking at the finished product. You're looking at a work in progress. Are you listening to me? You're looking at a work in progress. Psalms 138 and 8, The Lord will be, I will perfect that which concerneth me, but thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever, forsake not the works of thine own hands. Oh, Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, of which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's a continuing work He's doing. Now I'm finishing with this. It's a conforming work, a conflicting work, and a continuing work. And if anything else I ought to illustrate to you, how we don't get to preach or serve or do anything the way the Lord way we decide to. I had about twenty minutes worth of preaching to do. And I kept my eye on the clock and watched it until about fifteen or twenty minutes ago. And now I've done lost sight of every bit of it. And most of the last bit that I've preached in the last twenty five minutes is not even in the neighborhood of my outline. I don't get to decide that. Not if I'm going to be a Holy Ghost preacher. Not if I'm going to be a follower of Christ. And neither do you. You don't get to decide how you're going to be used, how I'm going to be used, what's going to happen. How my friend, we're, we are clay in the hands of the potter. He knows best. He knows how to run the church service. He knows how to operate the church business. He knows how to give the sermon. He knows how to anoint the singing. It's God's business how to use us as witnesses for the Lord. It's a continuing work. And then I want to tell you it's a completed work. I know it doesn't look like it. I've been saying all morning that I'm not done, that God's not done with me. That He's still working on me, but i got news for you. That which He started, He's going to finish. Even though He's still working on me, it's as good as done. In other words, He won't fail and He will not be discouraged. It's a completed work. He's going to see through what He started in my life. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4 and 11. And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto all the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. His goal is for us a perfect man, a purpose, a finished work. My friend, that which has reached its end, term, limit, hence a complete, full, Oh man, wanting nothing. That is where He's going with our lives. And He'll not give up on us until we get there. That's why the Apostle Paul could say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6, For I am now ready to be off from the time of my departures at hand. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge the Lord shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love His appearing. There is a finished work that He's working in us, and He will not quit until this thing is done. 
John 17 and 4, Jesus said, I have glorified, speaking to the Father, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work with that which thou gavest me to do. Did you know God's not in the business of quitting? And He's not going to quit on you. Some of you this morning, you look at your life and begin to look at where you are in life. Look at your age. You say, well, I would have expected by now to have done X, Y, and Z. I do this all the time. Maybe some of y'all don't. I do it all the time. And I'm 44 years old now. I told Grace this past week, likelihood is I'm more than halfway to the grave. And I might be gone to the grave before the end of the day. But even if I live a normal, a healthy, full lifespan, I'm more than halfway there. And I hadn't accomplished near half of what I wanted to do. And the best half is probably already gone. The strongest half, the most healthy half, it's all downhill from here. I ain't trying to discourage nobody. I'm just telling you this is what I'm thinking. To here I should have done more than this. Should have accomplished more. Should have uh, uh, succeeded more. Should have uh, I had more amazing results. Should have been able to do more for God, more for my family, more for the people around me, more for myself. Ought to be further along physically, financially, spiritually, in every facet of my life. I feel like I've failed to meet the mark. Measure the results of this point, and it seems like I am not on track for success as I would define it. I look at the product of my spiritual life and think how far short I still am of God's glory. And I would have thought that the Lord saved me at 13 years old. If you'd give me 30, 31 years, by then I'll be so holy that I'd walk down the street like Peter and let my shadow fall over cripple folks and they'll start walking again. And work like that. And I battle the flesh every long down day. Fight it tooth and nail and battle it every day. It's different battles than what it's ever been. It's different battles than what it was six months ago, a year ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. But I'm still there and I'm still fighting. And I have not arrived. Anybody else relate to what I'm talking about? Those things that I told God the last time I knelt down with a broken heart said, Oh God. I'll never do that no more. I'm sure I'm sorry. You know what I find myself doing? You all get mad at me now. Go back and say, Well, Lord, I told you I wasn't ever going to do that again. I'm sure I'm sorry to come back again. You're ashamed? Y'all don't look at me like that. You're just out with that stuff before I am. Yes, we are. Some of your problem with that is being judgmental mean. That's why you've got to come right back this morning and tell the Lord, I'm sure I'm sorry about feeling hard towards my preacher. He's just being real honest. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, I feel like sometimes I should have hit. I, I, my dad never taught us to make 80s. I never got $10 bill for making a beast. Are you kidding me? Get in a classroom like the boys beside me and say, man, if I make a beat on this mouth test, my daddy's going to give me a $10 bill. I said, if I make a beat, my daddy's going to hold the fire for me. <laughs> yes, sir, bro. Expecting an A plus and I'm here alone. The bar's getting all right. The bar's not missing anything. And I'll always miss the bar. But when I came to the Lord and said, I missed it again. I failed and come short of the glory of God. He never has looked at me and said, Well, I 
washing my hands or anything. Go away, you bother me. Not even one time. You know what he does? He just takes that clay and he makes it again for another best And he said, I knew this was going to happen. I saw it for his coming and I got a plan. Just stay on the wheel. Things are going to get real fast. You're going to smell like it's all spinning out of your soul. But you trust me. I know what to do with this. I don't know if you follow me if I'm trying to preach or not. I'm a mess this morning. And I'm not doing real good at trying to tell you what's in my heart. But I'm saying to you, God is not giving up on you. There are times I think, to myself, my preaching's done, my ministry's done, my life is done. I can't do what I'm doing anymore. There are days I feel so overwhelmed and so burdened and so heavy. There are times that I think I can't take another layer. I can't have another Yes, sir. 
Lord, I can't do it anymore. Some of you have said my marriage, my home, my family, the demands of my life, where I am in life, my finances, the struggles of life, it's just too much. I can't take it. I'm going to have a breakdown. And the Holy Ghost says, you're not going down. You are going up. I'm not finished with you, and I will not get up on you. Everybody know what I'm thinking about. And young people, your devil comes along and says you're wasting your time. You can't have a family. God is never going to bless you. And God is never going to fill your home. But He's a very old And the ancestry shall be mine. There's a battle to be waged. There's a victory to be won. There's a race to be run. There's a finish line to cross. His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ain't real sure what being supposed to do right now with this thing. But I'm telling you, this morning, if you are at the end of yourself, God is not at the end of Himself. (laughs) And He's not going to give up on you. Just can't believe that there's not anybody in here that's burdened this morning that may need to pray. There's folks in here that can witness to most everything I'm preaching about. Your life and troubles and challenges are different than mine. So, terribly different. Vastly different. But the God of glory is the same. Some of you this morning grief has ripped your heart. Some of you just physically exhausted. Physically exhausted. I know what that is. I know what that is. Oh, some of you so broke. You don't know whether you're going to eat wind pudding or become a convict before the end of the week. But I'm telling you, God's not finished with you. You're struggling emotionally. You don't think you can withstand. And yet you've forgotten there's a strength and a power in you that's as big as heaven is. Are you listening to me? You think you need another pill or you need a session with a therapist and you've forgotten there is a power in you as big as heaven is. You can make it. You can make it. Somebody come with a song, please. I've finished preaching what the Lord laid on my heart. I've got it stopped. I could talk to you about what I'm preaching about the rest of the day. I know it. I don't just know it, and I know it because I read it in the Bible. But I don't just know it because I read it in the Bible. I know it because I live it every day just like you. I don't change my clothes in the phone booth. I don't beat tall buildings in a single bound. I'm not faster than a speeding bullet. I don't wear a red cape and fly around the sky and have x-ray vision. I'm just like you are, friend. I'm a human being. And sometimes life is so overwhelming I can just fall apart. Some days I'm flat as a pancake. I don't think I can put one foot in front of another. Oh, the greater is He than me than He. I have tried to close out this message, but say some people need to just get in this altar. You need some help from Jesus today. Oh my, forgive us, Lord, if we preach too long.
you need some help from Jesus today. You feel like you've got a 5,000 pound gorilla on your back. And he's a mean one on top of that. You can stay at home and he's there. You go to work and he's there. You go to school and he's there. You're just dragging it around like an animal. But God can help you this morning. You feel your life is a failure. You have not done for God what you feel like you ought to do. You feel like a man that started out to build a tower and you've never got past the first floor. Would you this morning realize God's not done with you yet? It's not time to turn off the building project. It's not time to stop warring and stop battling. It's time to take up arms, go out in the field of battle, and get back to work for Jesus. Sing for us when you're ready, sister, please. I want you to just obey the Lord this morning. Altar's already got people in them, full of them. There's room for you this morning. Would you please come? Seek the Lord's help for your life. Be obedient to the Lord. Just believe in God. <laughs> 